Here's your host, Wade Lentz and Harold Smith. bad situation, but I think old Mr. Gene Watson kind of summed up my views on the Southern Baptist Convention in Anaheim. Yes, yeah. have some biblical convictions about you and you wanted to change the direction. You were hoping to return to a biblical form of cooperation and fellowship and doctrine to be the standard. You might as well turn out the lights. That, that party's over. Last year, we said that ship has sailed. Uh, I, I think it's over for people who would share convictions that you and I would hold, Wade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this the whole um, convention, of course, is still not yet complete and not over yet. But uh, thus far, the conservatives have lost in just about every, um, you know, imaginable area. And uh, that goes with it started with uh, the pastor's conference president with Bodie Bauckham. Um, as we talked about a little bit earlier, here's a guy that is, uh, very well known. Um, yeah. I mean, I a mean, guy that, that would headline conferences of, you know, five, 10, 20,000 people. Yes. You know, yes. I mean, he's a G3 speaker at times. He's, he's done, you know, shepherds conferences. I mean, a guy that's really, really probably when you think of preachers, that's what he's known for. He's written some books, but he's primarily a preacher. And right. Who did he lose to? Uh, Daniel Dickyard, yeah. uh, a pastor in Georgia. Never heard of the guy. Um, and another thing, Bodie is from Southern California, where you know this convention was held, and he lost by I think eighty votes, ninety votes, something like that. So it was very close. But uh, with his loss as the pastor conference president, uh, that did not send out a good signal that the other. Uh, votes were going to go well, and sure enough, another uh, minority candidate for what was it, secretary, recording secretary, recording secretary, um, Javier Chavez, I believe is how you say his name. I made yeah something similar to that. I right. didn't pay much attention to the race. I just remember seeing on Twitter people were saying, uh, talking about conservative people that were in the convention who were going to Anaheim. I'm voting for three people, you know, and they said Javier Chavez, uh, Vody Bauckham and Tom Askell. And, and those are the mm-hmm. three people we're going to vote for. Right. And I mean, I, we ought to tell people it's it's the night of the Southern Baptist election. I mean, today is June 14th. It's 1020 central time. The vote just came out. I'm well, tired. Off, yeah, maybe 20, 25 <laughs> minutes ago. You and I just. We're setting up kind of listening, and then we started talking, and I said, look, there's no sense in waiting until morning and reading yeah. what everybody else has to say. I mean, we kind of agreed um, in our general take just to start with Vody. 
Mm-hmm. You know, winning the pastors conference that really does nothing except pick who gets to preach in next year's meeting. Sure. And so it would be a kind of a moral victory if Vody won. You know, conservative mm-hmm. uh, Bible preachers could say, you know, we're not going to get these questionable candidates that have women preachers in their church or, you know, wouldn't be what we would think of as a typical Southern Baptist church. They would always be pushing the boundaries. And so every year you have these complaints that this person that's co- that you're bringing in is not even Southern Baptist, not even Baptist. Right. So if yeah. you got Vody, you could pretty much say, all right, we're going to get conservative Bible preaching. Mm-hmm. But who goes to a preaching conference? It's typically not your woke progressive crowd that go and listen to preaching the pulpit. Yeah. I mean, our good friend, Alan Nelson wrote a, a resolution on the sacredness of the Southern Baptist pulpit. And they, uh, they laughed and said, no, that's, that's yeah. not coming to they the floor. They did not even bring that to the floor, which tells you all you need to know right there. Well, I mean, Ed Litton is the, is the president and this guy doesn't even do his own sermons. He has a sermon right. team and they plagiarize somebody else's sermons who do not even preach their own. I mean, preaching mm-hmm. is not an emphasis on the, on the more progressive side of the convention. So if, I would think if there's an area where conservatives could get their foot in the door and say, all right, we're preachers, we're men who say, bring us the book. I mean, right. they've got t-shirts that say we have a book. We, we are, we are preachers first and politicians second. Here's your mm-hmm. chance to win. And they almost did Vody Vody lost by 80 votes. But like we were saying earlier, Wade, that's 80 votes. To an unheard of person. I mean, nobody knew him. I, right. Who's this guy? Nobody ever heard of him. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It just shows you the, uh, the power of the platform. Yeah. Bottom line. If when, once they pick the candidate, he's going to win. Yeah. He's going to win. And, uh, yeah, Vody had the best chance of putting it, uh, pulling out any victory among the three conservatives and he lost a, uh, by narrow margin, but, uh, Again, that set precedent for the entire convention week. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. yeah. So, uh, today I did not get all of it, but they had some type of a, uh, discussion, you could say, concerning, uh, women pastors and, uh, Adam Greenway, the Southwestern, uh, theological seminary president, uh, from one I understand was in favor of this. Um, he was differentiating the, the, the gift of a pastor versus the office of a pastor and uh, s- stating that the office of a pastor belongs to a man, but a person may be gifted uh, to be a pastor and a woman may be gifted to be a pastor shepherd. And uh, so this sounds wow. like to me, you can be born a biological male, but have a female gender. Is it, is that yeah. kind of not where we're heading That's here? Pretty much the, the, the logic there. I, I, yeah. Uh, what about husband of one wife? Do you not understand? Yeah. Uh, right. But anyways, y- you're right. And the reason this is all taking place is because there are prominent Southern Baptist churches on the progressive side of the aisle mm-hmm. who are continually electing women as elders. And the most prominent church that did that in the past year was none other than Saddleback, Mr. Purpose Driven himself, Rick Warren. Yeah. And there was a motion from last year to consider removing uh saddleback church rick warren's church there in california from the convention over 
the nomination and election of women elders in the church. Mm-hmm. And that that motion, I, and I don't understand this. I'm not a lawyer, and that's basically what you have to be if you want to figure out what's happening in the in the Southern Baptist. Yeah, community. really. I mean, the president's just a puppet. There's a guy behind him with an earpiece saying, can't <laughs> "Yeah, say that. yeah, this is this is not allowed. Yeah, this is uh, allowed. Yeah, out of order, out of order. Right, uh, right. So, section three, seven bylaw twelve one. I mean, it's like some yeah. kind of code talk, you know. Your point is not well taken. <laughs> yeah. And I know, I know, when you put eight thousand people in a room and try to conduct business, you got to have some rules. Right. Yeah, these guys crack jokes among themselves, but if somebody else cracks a joke, that's not okay. Sure. So when you when you look at at what went on, there was this motion that that the that that was referred to a committee last year. That committee was supposed to come back, and I didn't catch it all, and I didn't really understand it all. But the committee was like, "We've changed our mind. We're just gonna let. We're just gonna keep studying it." Hmm. I thought, well, oh. You had a year to do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I get it. And I, folks, Wade and I are not in a Southern Baptist convention. We were right. Southern Baptist at one times in our life, but you know, we 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 left the convention for these reasons. I still work with mm-hmm. a lot of Southern Baptist churches in my ministry. I'm not anti-Southern Baptist. You're not either. We want the best, right. them, but we also have to give you an unbiased view of what's happening here. Sure. And when. Sure. When you see this statement coming out that they're they're just going to table this and and they retract their motion or whatever it was they were supposed to do, then all of a sudden, right before the presidential election, Rick Warren gets his own microphone to say whatever mm-hmm. he wants for an unlimited amount of time. Yeah, yeah, it, and they were discussing things that were not even pertinent to what was uh, Rick Warren uh, uh, concerning his church being excommunicated. Uh, from the convention, now that was so, all tabled, and then they said, "Hey, we're about to vote on president." Uh, Rick Warren, come on out! So Rick yeah. comes out, and he gets to read a letter and say whatever he wants. Very bizarre. Can you imagine a hardcore conservative pastor who's preaching change the direction? Let's return to the roots of our forefathers. Saying, "Hey, I'd like to have a mic just to talk about whatever I want for five ten minutes." Would not go over well. No. Yeah. Uh, Common guys get ruled out of order all day, but the platform said, okay, Rick, you can come out. So Rick comes out and he says, you know, a man ought to get to say something before he's executed. You know, he gets Mm -hmm. last words, kind of a joke. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just a laughing joke. He's not good. They're not getting rid of him. No. Then he starts talking about how he loves the Southern Baptist convention. Well, if you love it, Rick, support it. Mm -hmm. Rick doesn't give his saddleback never gave. He said he Nam started the church there, and because of the Southern Baptist Convention, he began to share all the things that that Saddleback and Rick Warren had done, and he right. basically bragged on himself. He said yeah. that they became the largest church in the convention. They planted ninety uh, uh, something churches in their county. They planted thousands nationally and worldwide. Then he said he had trained one point one million pastors and preachers more than all five seminaries combined by himself. Yeah. Well, what a, what a man. Wow. Yeah. Well, we only have 42,000 Southern Baptist churches. What kind of preachers are coming to yeah. you? Instruction? Clearly not. Crazy. Baptist. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's stupid. And, and you want to say to, to uh, Rick Warren, you know, the scripture tells us in Proverbs to let another man praise thee 
don't don't let it come from your own lips. And, uh, and, and it'll leave it. Yes, all it was is a well. He went on to show. say they had baptized fifty seven thousand people in yeah. the church. Yes, and everybody was just clapping and applauding. All these great statistics. Right. And then he turns around and says, "Look, uh, all that matters is that we get along." You know, mm-hmm. and he said, we got people here with all kinds of weird doctrinal beliefs. Some people don't believe Jesus died for the whole world. Mm. What that's a slap at is Calvinism, and it's a, yeah. it's a low slap. And he goes, but we still get along with them. And this is a direct assault at Tom Askell. Sure. And everybody's happy, clappy, and, and they allow him to come out and insult and demean the conservative candidate, if you will, right before the vote. Mm-hmm. And pretty much chastise everybody that thought they needed to be removed. And let's be honest: if Rick Warren is a Southern Baptist, I'm a monkey. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I'll go on record and say it. You can laugh and say, "Hi, right. monkey." I, no, Southern Baptists have beliefs; they have doctrine. Right. Uh, that's what he's done at Saddleback, appointing sure. women elders, uh, all of the other things, the, the dumbing down of the gospel, everything that Saddleback stands for. That's not Southern Baptist. He's not active in the mm-hmm. cooperative program. He just benefited from a Southern Baptist start, and then off he did and went his, you know, did his own thing. Right. But that yeah. all set the stage for what came next, which was the first vote with four candidates now instead of three. Yeah, which was which was weird that this uh, last candidate uh, just last minute. Uh, Entered, entered into the race. I'm like, why? Why would you do that? What is there a strategy to it? Uh, he only mustered, I think, twelve percent of the vote. Um, but uh, yeah, the I don't other know guy, why. the other guy, I think, got like maybe two or three percent. I mean, something like that. It was nothing. Yeah, you know? right. Um, it, matter of fact, it might have just been a couple hundred votes that the fourth guy got, who was really the third guy. This other fella mm-hmm. jumped in the last minute and got twelve percent. So. We're in a runoff now because nobody got over 50%. And so we have to have a runoff between Tom and Bart. And if you yeah, didn't follow and, along in the convention, because it made you sick, kind of like yeah. it did me, what little bit I watched, um, we go to a runoff. During the runoff vote, there were 6,800 votes cast the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's right. There were 8,500 messengers and uh, there were 6,000 800 votes, I think, on the first uh, election. So we go to the runoff. No, there's not a. Let me get these numbers right. I, I, there are a total of 8,998 8, messengers at the time of the election. Mm-hmm. In the first vote, it was roughly 6,800 cast ballots out of a little over 8,000. In the runoff, only 5,500 cast ballots. So about 1,300 didn't vote. In the second, in, in the second election, the runoff. Yeah. Official totals there were Bart Barber received three thousand four hundred and one votes, or sixty point eight seven percent. Tom Askell received two thousand one hundred and seventy two votes, or thirty eight point eight eight percent. So mm-hmm. we're talking sixty one thirty nine. Yeah. Right. So so Tom could not even muster, close. Yeah, Tom couldn't muster forty percent. And mm-hmm. Bart, who is not a well-known preacher. I mean, Tom Askell's well-known, not yeah. just among conservatives. He's well-known in the Southern Baptist Convention. I know Bart's known in the convention, but Bart doesn't have the name recognition Tom Askell has mm-hmm. across the board. 
Right. So here we have a, just a, a pastor from Farmerville, Texas, and a pastor from Cape Coral, Florida. Neither yes. one are mega church pastors. So there's no, there's nothing there, you know, that would say, well, this guy's got, you know, 4,000 members. Sure. But at the same time, the conservatives, I'm talking about the change the direction guys. They have bombarded social media. They've bombarded mm-hmm. Twitter. They've bombarded every aspect of the public. Get to Anaheim. Get to Hannah. This is our last. They didn't say last stand because a lot of them ain't ever going to leave. Right. But they made this, you know, this is where we're going to, we're going to draw short here. We're going to fight here. We're going to win. This is a must win. Most, I heard this a lot. Most important convention of our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you rallied your troops and everybody went out there and cast their ballot, you, you didn't, you, you did, you barely right. got over a third. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this is really big because Tom Askell is kind of like the five-star general of, of the conservative movement in the SBC. And he has been a stalwart of uh, conservatism and really calling the convention to go back to its roots, uh, doctrinally speaking. And uh, he enters this race. And and I felt like from the very very beginning when I heard he was entering in the race that this this was the last straw here. Um, this This guy who has backed many many candidates uh is now entering himself and um as it's all in you know type thing and so for this for him to lose uh and to lose as big as he lost um it's it sets the uh it really shows everyone how lopsided it is the conservatives just do not have the numbers plain and simple and and more than likely you're going to continue to uh, marginalize yourself from the from the platform and uh so uh, i want to say something too before i get off topic and we we start talking about you know the future our our good friend mike stone probably gave the best nomination tom askell could have ever received wow i mean he he said everything that needed to be said he made the case of this is why tom askell's here this is why we need to do what we're doing. This is who you're getting. I mean, he laid it out and he laid it out in a perfect delivery, mm-hmm. he laid it out with clear, convictional, understanding, passionate. And and when the, the I don't know, I call him the Mike bouncer. When the guy comes up, and tells you your time's up, taps him yeah. on the shoulder. Mike didn't even take a breath. He just continued to deliver his message. Right, he was going right. to do it till he was done. And when he got done, there was clapping and cheering. And I thought, Hey, all right, there's a crowd there. Tom's got a shot, mm-hmm. but it, he just ignited his base. And I mean, I, right. I think Mike couldn't have done a better job, uh, oh, my. you know, conveying why we're here, stirring up the people that share his convictions. I think they did a great job of, of convincing all. Cause I heard, I heard preachers last year say I'm done and their mm-hmm. churches are taking steps to leave the convention. Yeah. But they're not completely out yet, so they're like, "Well, I'm, I'm still got the right to vote because we haven't, you know, officially withdrawn yet." So I knew of a couple of preachers that drove to Anaheim just to vote, mm-hmm. and yeah. so I right. think they got their base there. It's just what mm-hmm. you said, Wade. You're you're roughly one third of the convention, right? Now, what does that mean in the days ahead? I mean, when we start thinking about, you know, I I argued with Rod Martin a little bit on Twitter. And I said, you know, don't you think you had your best chance to win in Nashville last year 
you know, you had a great candidate, Mike Stone, and, you know, you were deep in the heart of Dixie. I mean, you had mm-hmm. every, you had everything going for you. You had a great attendance, like, I want to say it was 15,000 last yeah, year. Yeah, it was a lot bigger numbers. Yeah, and, and Rod, Rod Martin said, uh, we're, we're going to regroup. No, it's just a start. We're just getting started. You know, kind of like I'm some kind of dummy. And yeah. they're going to really roll out the troops for Anaheim. Uh-uh. No, no, Mike. Mike put a better showing on than that. And yes, I, yes. I'm going to tell you. Um, and I love Mike Stone to death. I love Tom Askell to death. I I hate I hate that two great men were put up before a group of people who just chose to go woke instead, chose to go sure. CRT instead, chose to go you know women preachers instead. And right. Right. Yeah. When it, I look it's, it's at sad. the future. There, here's my concern, Wade. The seminaries are turning out a lot of preachers that would be okay with women pastors, a lot mm-hmm. of preachers with a low view of preaching, a high view of fellowship, a low view of doctrine. That's just across the board. Mm-hmm. NAM as a church planning organization is not planning traditional Southern Baptist churches like they did in the 80s. Right. Most of the churches they're planning would be on the Bart Barber side of the aisle. So what are conservatives doing? To, to take this number of 39% and put it in the 61, because they're clearly, they're not outpacing the Bart Barbers and the Ed Littons and the J.D. Greer. Sure, sure. And and after this convention, you're going to have even more uh, uh, more people leave the convention. Uh, more churches are going to pull out, more pastors. Um, and so that number is going to get smaller and smaller, and their number is going to stay the same or get larger. So there's just going to be a greater discrepancy between the conservatives and the more progressive uh, leadership in the SBC. It's just going to get worse. And so you, as a pastor, if you have been contemplating about pulling out of the SBC, you better have an exit strategy um, in place because uh, uh, you really, if you are watching what happened in Anaheim, what happened in Nashville last year, what happened in Anaheim just today. Um, what, what are you staying in it for? Are you staying in it just to fight? Um, so you, you need to really examine yourself as to why you're staying in it. And if you feel led of the Lord to pull out, pull your church out, then you need to have a, a strategy in place. And like Harold said at the beginning of the episode, um, we both have pulled our churches out, and so if you need any advice, um, we learned some good things to do, and we learned the hard way on yeah. not to do certain things. And uh, so I would uh, encourage you to reach out to us. We'd be glad to help you um, lead your church out if the Lord leads you to do so. You know, one of the things I wanted to say, Wade, if you're in the SBC and you're just thoroughly disappointed by, by what you were seeing, um, in the convention this year, don't do anything knee jerk. Don't, don't right. show up Wednesday night at business meeting and say, Oh, that's it. We're leaving. I went to Anaheim, you know, yeah. don't show up Sunday with the, we're leaving the SBC sermon. That's, that's not the mm-hmm. way to do any of this. And that's right. not what you and I are advocating. No. We're not trying to beat the bandwagon of leave, but we all, we do want you to think seriously about how this is going to get fixed. If it can be fixed. Mm-hmm. I mean, my phone went off and I heard from a number of pastors that just texted me something along the lines of it's over. Finally, yeah. it's over. I had talked to several pastors beforehand and they said, I just hope one side wins handedly. 
I hope that whoever wins wins big enough that the other side says, well, the, the conservatives have it, you know, we we just need to go start our own. We need to have another, uh, cooperative Baptist fellowship or the conservative Baptist network, or, you know, mm-hmm. some group needs to come along. Sure. But I, I really think that all that has to start a lot of times in the convention, the pastor is the only person that really knows what's going on in the convention. Yes, and you're exactly. A pastor and you're not educating your people. Then when you get so fed up that you say, Hey, our church has to pull out. Well, people are going to say, why you, mm-hmm. you haven't done your diligence to explain the, the leftward drift that, that so often talked about. So right, right. It starts with education. Uh, I always say a Baptist preacher can only move at the pace of a Baptist church and Moses uh, could only move at the pace of the children of Israel. Yeah. So if you are thinking that, Hey, look, it's probably, you know, it's probably over. Well, I don't see us ever having the numbers to get this back where it needs to go in a, you know, in, in a diplomatic way of just going to the floor, grassroots movement, uh, you know, get our candidate on the platform. If you realize that's over. You need to start today mm-hmm. educating your church, educating your church. And then if they also agree, hey, you know what? You're right. We're we're giving 10. I mean, I know churches that give 12, 15 percent of their undesignated giving directly to the Southern Baptist Convention. And pastor, if you're doing that and yeah. you're not telling your church what they're paying for and they still think it's the greatest missionary organization on the earth. We're sending the gospel worldwide and we're planting all these churches and they don't have any idea what those churches look like, mm-hmm. what those missionaries believe or what those seminaries are turning out. Then that pastor's derelict of duty and he's not right. doing diligence to teach those churches. That's right. That's very true. Well, tomorrow on the uh, agenda uh, at the convention, I think the last day tomorrow is the uh, a big vote on the ERLC, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Council, Mission. I think. Commission. Mission, yes, yes. Uh, they're going to be uh, voting on dismantling that from the SBC. How do you think that's going to go? Like a turd in a punch bowl, Wade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it ain't going to fly. <laughs> pig ain't going to fly. No, um, no. The ERLC, if you don't know, you're not you're not acquainted with Southern Baptist uh, polity, is basically the lobbyist wing of the Southern Baptist Convention. And so what you'll see is you've got conservatives that do not like the leftward drift that's been going on for years at the ERLC. And uh, that that they would like to just pull the plug on. You know, if we're mm-hmm. going to have a lobbyist that's lobbying for the left, why are we paying them? Yeah, right. There again, <laughs> I think a lot of these guys want to fix the convention from within. Mm-hmm. In other words, they were like, you know, we could go along with this if we took all that money and shifted it over here to missions where we would like to see it happen. Problem is, guys, you don't have the votes to pull that off. Yeah. You know, at some point in time, you've got to get realistic. I mean, mm-hmm. there are all sorts of things about the church I'm pastoring. You know, if we had this, everything would be fine, but we don't have that. and We yeah. can't get that. Right. And right. so um, when we when we talk, we got to talk realistically. You know, and I think that's what I would encourage pastors to do. If you drove to Anaheim, I would be driving home from there. I mean, from here, from Arkansas, if you were driving to Anaheim, you've got like a 21, 23 hour drive Mm -hmm. out there. And I know several pastors that did. I would be praying about and thinking about what does my church need to know? 
you know, are, are we going to do this? And, and here's my advice to you. We're all Baptist. I've been yeah. in a church that's currently, uh, I've been the interim pastor of a church that's affiliated with the BMA, the mm-hmm. Baptist Missionary Association. Uh, they've been a very good organization. My experience in the BMA has been great. A lot of preachers just simply don't know how to do missions. The BMA has the same basic Baptist beliefs as the SBC. The only difference is it's where you send your mission dollars. Right. And so at Lee Creek, uh, when I pastored there for 14 years, when we left the convention, I said, you know, we're not just going to quit supporting missions. And you did the same thing at Barrel. You know, we're not just going to mm-hmm. stop supporting missions. <clears throat> you went and found your own. You contacted people. You began to support them. We did, too. Um, that's what every church should do. So, Pastor, if you're thinking, hey, I'm, I, I think it may be time for our church to start in the direction away. Step number one is start teaching your church how to support their own missionaries, missionaries mm-hmm. they know uh, yes, can, yes. can be accounted for. And uh, bring, bring in a missionary. Yeah. Have Find one, a missionary. Uh, yeah. They will fall in love with him, and they will want to have a, a contact with him, and yeah. uh, and, and they'll want to join hands in supporting and, and partner with him. So bring in a missionary is uh, a very key to getting your church to see uh, that that side of missions that's I believe a biblical uh, uh, stance versus a a convention's uh, you just way. send money to to your state capital yeah it's turning around sending it to Nashville and then they're sending yes. it to Atlanta and the people don't know the missionaries individually and you may brag about the number of missionaries you're supporting but how many does your church actually know and yeah. that I'm is kidding. one of the things that. I never realized being in the convention all those years, I never realized what you lose, not knowing the missionaries that your church supports individually. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've held the babies of our missionaries, you know, they've stayed in our church nursery and you say, well, you're only supporting eight or 10 missionaries a year. Correct. But I know every one of them. Yeah. I, right. I can get a direct answer of what's going on within 15 minutes almost. Yeah. And I would say to that, that your church, even though you might be supporting 500 missionaries or however many the convention sends out that you're only sending about 10 cents per missionary. Yeah. So which one are you more invested in? Yeah. And so so I just think going forward, unless somebody can come and tell me, Hey, Harold, you're missing it over Mm -hmm. here. We're producing all these conservative Southern Baptist churches over here. We're training all these conservative Southern Baptist pastors over here, but, but you're not. Mm-hmm. All of the new Southern Baptist church plants I see don't look anything like the existing Southern Baptist churches. Right, right. You know, the, the NAM, the way NAM has structured their North American church planning network, those churches and those trainers, this is not, it's not your grandpa's Southern Baptist convention. And it's yeah. not grandpa's doctrine either. If, if I could just be plain and just say it, it's it's a glorified business. Yeah. I'm just being honest. That's my assessment. It's a, a lot of money, a whole lot of money, and it's all about the money. And therefore, you got to make business decisions yeah. and um, not necessarily doctrinal or biblical, but business. And that's what the, the platform is doing. They're taking care of the business, making sure that nothing is, uh, you know, done in such a way that hurts business. And we talked about that in a previous episode, just the sheer net assets of the convention. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I've heard Tom Askell say we're, we're battling for five seminaries, you know, that train, I yeah. think 30% of America's pastors. But if you can't get control of those five seminaries that train 30% of America's pastors, and you don't have control of them now, not after the debacle with the bucks with Tom and Jennifer Buck and, and mm-hmm. Southeastern and the way that was treated and swept under the rug and an internal yeah. investigation. And we said nothing. Right. And then, when you don't have control of them, now what you have to really come to grips with is we're funding 30% of America's pastors, most of whom do not share our beliefs or faith. Mm-hmm. So yes. you're going to have to pastor. You're going to get to the point where it's not about how much money's out there. It's not about what how much you, you're accomplishing as far as dollars, cents, nickels, and noses, as the old saying goes. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of accountability. Where is it going? What is it accomplishing? I I personally, and maybe this is why I left a long time ago, I I would rather have 10 missionaries that I knew were planting churches that resembled the one I pastored, sharing the same doctrine that I preached to our congregation. Mm -hmm. I would have 40 churches out there preaching a different gospel, uh, a shallow, watered-down gospel designed to get decisions, designed to get instant results so that we could tout numbers. And that's where it comes down. And if, mm-hmm. if you're disgruntled and you're upset, you, you really need to show the rest of your conservative compadres, here's how we can win in the future. Yeah. What you're doing's not working and you're just right. funding your problem and you're getting abused and bullied and this kind of fighting. And I'm just, this is really my beef with the Southern Baptist Convention. You guys are ugly to each other. I mean, mm-hmm. bad ugly. I mean, y'all, y'all bicker and fuss and fight building up to the convention to try to see who's going to come out on top. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a black eye for Christianity yeah. at large. That's a black eye for Baptist at large. And it's gotten Baptist worse. Again. Yeah. You guys need to go find people yeah. in another toy box that you can play with. Yeah. It's, it's ugly. I, I mean, right. That, that never happened in the eighties and nineties where there was such uh bashing and, and tearing down of other, of other presidential candidates and so forth. And that's just something that has happened in the last five, six years, I would say maybe a little bit longer than that, but, uh, nevertheless, you're, you're right. It's, it's, uh, and, and let me just say this very quickly about run, run out of time. Um, you, if you're a conservative, yeah, you, you suffered a loss here, but not all is lost and, um, not all is lost because the Lord has gifted you with a church to pastor. And uh, you love on your people. You lead them in the paths that the Lord is leading you. And uh, understanding that the Lord does not need the SBC. And, uh, you know, just focus on your church. Love your people. And as the Lord leads, you you can teach them and lead them uh, out of the SBC. Yep. I I would echo the same thing. You know, the Southern Baptists always say the headquarters of Southern Baptist Convention is the local church. Well. Pastor, that's your responsibility. Go pour your life into your local church. Mm-hmm. Sure up yeah. your mission money. You've got to give an account for how you spent everything the Lord entrusts your congregation. Yes. And so so take that responsibility seriously. And if I were you, I mean, you, you do not have to leave the convention tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But start training your people to do that. Because unless there's some way this is going to turn around, if you don't start taking steps to sure things up, you're going to find yourself where a lot of these churches are today, you know, and right. so, uh, I'm talking about other denominations. Well, wait, yes. we've run out of time. 
I'm tired. Immediate thoughts. Yeah, it's it's now eleven o'clock here. <laughs> so let's sign off here. And you know, Southern Baptist, we're praying for you. I, I pray all you guys would just continue to be faithful in your local churches. Seek the Lord. He'll lead you. We love you. We'll see you on the next podcast. God bless. Bye.